Syracuse has a big game against UNC tonight, 9 p.m. inside the JMA Wireless Dome. The Orange have their work cut out for them, and they're going to be uh, going up against Armando Baycott. Jesse Edwards especially has got his work cut out for him. We'll talk about everything uh, that has to do with the game and more predictions and everything. Unlocked on Syracuse starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on your Tuesday episode of Locked On Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, Okay. We're talking Syracuse. We're talking North Carolina on today's episode of Lockdown Cuse. Um, the Tar Heels are a team that had huge expectations coming into the year. I'd argue insurmountable expectations coming into the year. They were the preseason number one team. They brought back pretty much everybody except for Brady Manick, uh, Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, Leaky Black, Puff Johnson. They're all back. They added Pete Nance from Northwestern. They're just a scoring machine, Uh, and despite losing some games early on, four straight to Iowa State, Alabama, Indiana, and Virginia Tech back in late November, early December, they have once again made the statement on the basketball court, that is, that they're an incredibly talented group, having lost only two games since that four-game slide. They've won their last three against Louisville, Boston College, and NC State. Uh, They have... Similar losses to Syracuse, a loss to Pittsburgh and a loss to Virginia. So they kind of know how that feels, although their loss to Pittsburgh was not at home at the Dean Dome. It was away, uh, and their Virginia loss, like Syracuse's, was also away. Uh, They come into this game about three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, But listen, this is a game that I could see going a lot of ways on. I could see this being... Very close and high scoring because both these teams love to score and not play defense. Uh, but I can also, although Syracuse's defense has been better, so don't let me say that. Um, but I can also see Syracuse getting blown out in this game because, like I said, UNC, they've got four double-digit scorers. Baycott, Davis, Love, Nance, all average double digits. Uh, it's just not going to be easy. And like we all know, uh, the man who is the anchor of this team, Armando Baycott, is going to swallow up rebounds, currently averaging 18 points and 11.5 rebounds a game. That guy's going to be a problem for Jesse Edwards. Uh, how do you see this one? This is this is an exciting game. Uh, I think you, you nailed a lot of points there in that open, and you know I'll, I'll try and hit on as many as I can, and then we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper. One, to talk about the expectations, I have them – Still, yeah, you know, the value is significantly declined, but I, I, I took UNC to win the national championship this year. I have a lingering bet that looks terrible at this point in time, but at one point there was not a doubt in my mind that that is whatever line I even took them at. I don't have it off the top of my head. 
was too much value. That is how good this team was. Have they dipped from those expectations? Definitely. Are they still an outstanding basketball team right now with an abundance of experience? 100%. This team is as experienced as you really can find at the D1 level and experienced together, right? These guys have played together. Uh, they, they really have sort of spent a while and know each other really well. And that's, that's a dangerous combo to bring that together and, and see what they can do. This is a worrisome game. I think it presents a lot of challenges for Syracuse. It really does. Uh, but I, I look in and I see and I want this. I don't know why this, when you were talking about this could go any way, it sort of brought me back to, I think it was a 17-18 season um when when Syracuse lost in the dome to UNC I think by like three or four it was a really close game and if I remember that was a a game where Tyus and O'Shea and Frank Howard all went off and and the rest of the team wasn't there and I just feel like that is a reality that could happen in this game too where you got three guys whoever they end up being you know some variation at this point of Joe Judah, Jesse, and uh, Malik Brown off the bench, some variation of those four going off uh, and making this a ball game and making this a competitive game. And it makes a lot of sense. So I, I think that's something that you could see. You could also tell me UNC comes into the dome, Jesse gets into foul trouble early, uh, or you know they can't shoot the ball from three, Joe doesn't hit his shots, Judah tries to force some things, and UNC wins this basketball game by 30. I'd say, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's plausible, right? This is a game that it's it's hard for me to predict mentally just because of, I, I think, the parity we've seen in terms of UNC performances this year, right? They've had some off nights. Uh, they've had some struggling moments and, and some times where they had difficulties. And the same with Syracuse, right? That We've seen different teams uh, come out in orange and, and perform night in and night out. So this is a game that could go a number of different ways. And I, I think a huge deciding factor is, is this Baycott Jesse Edwards matchup because Jesse has been not completely struggling. We were just sort of talking before we hopped on, I wouldn't say he's completely struggling, but maybe not performing to the level that we thought he could hit. And Armando Baycott is playing some high quality basketball. That man is an animal. He is an absolute menace down low 16 16 and 18 rebounds in his last three games this guy is rightfully so the talk of the playground every time he comes on the court he is incredible and he presents an absolute nightmare for a jesse edwards who i think a lot of syracuse fans are looking to find you know that consistency and that stride uh still three or two-thirds of the way through the season just to uh, confirm, you're absolutely right about that game back in 2017-18 season. Syracuse lost at home 78-74 in that game. And Battle had 26, Frank Howard had 23, and O'Shea had 17 with a double-double, 10 rebounds. And nobody else really came to play. Marek had four, Pascal had two, Matthew Moyer had two off the bench. Uh, so how about that? Um, but you're absolutely right about that. The only other guys who scored. Um but, you know, I, I was just thinking, you know, like in that Georgia Tech game, it was Joe Girard was the reason that they even won. I mean, he had 28 points. He went off 11 for 21. He shot the ball so, so well. Six of 10 from three, seven assists. I mean, he was in prime Joe Girard mode. 
Uh, he was in the post making plays. I mean, he was unstoppable at points in that game. Uh, and I don't want to say I called it, but I kind of called it on the last episode. Um, our preview episode, that is. You called it. I did. Um, but, you know, I don't know if he's going over and doing that against Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. I feel way less confident that he's doing that. So it's going to be a game in which you're looking for that guy who's going to make that difference. Um and I don't think that you can really rely on the kind of offense they had in that 18 game uh, where it was three guys and nobody else. You just, you need, like you said, you need Jesse to show up like he hasn't really done a ton this season. He's done it, just not a lot. Uh, we all expected him to take a huge jump. He took a small step forward. He didn't take a step back. He, he did take a small step forward, but he didn't take that huge jump that everybody expected. Maybe he's averaging uh, everyone was expecting him to average closer to 20 points per game, around 17 or something. He's only at 13. Uh, but, you know, if he can come out against a guy like Armando Baycott and make some plays, that will not only give them a good chance in this game, but will also hugely increase my confidence for the team the rest of the season. Because if they're going to win the big games and if they're going to make a run uh, to and in the tournament, it's going to be because, or at least in part because, Jesse Edwards shows up in a big way. 100%. This is, I think, the matchup that when I looked at the schedule and I looked at the expectations around Jesse, you would be absolutely insane to not have this matchup in mind coming into the season. The tournament run that Baycott had, the attention that he 1,000% rightfully obtained, and then to come back and do it again and run it back and be as dominant as he was in that stretch, right? He averages, as you said, unbelievable numbers this year unbelievable numbers as i think anyone would have expected after watching him play in the tournament last year come in and do it this is that matchup and it's finally here and this is going to tell you what kind of big is jesse edwards right is he a guy that is going to beat up on teams in non-conference games against smaller opponents and you know acc matchups where the other team is smaller or is he a guy that you can really put anybody in there and he's going to compete and, and find a way to compete. Maybe the other guy is going to get his fill as well, but Jesse is not going to get torn up, and Jesse is not going to get shut out. Where does he fall? And, and this matchup, I, I think I, I'm so excited to finally have an answer after tonight's game or tomorrow's game when we're recording this now. Right? I want to see you know, what happens when you put Jesse Edwards, who against, what do you want to say, two-thirds – of college basketball teams is the big dog out there and a guy that you don't really want to have to deal with and a guy that you don't want to mess with. But this is the creme de la creme in terms of bigs, in terms of who you are playing and how do you show out and what type of player are you in that situation? We will have our answer in 24 hours. Yeah. Um, totally right about that. Let's take a quick break. Uh, this one brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is a new sponsor of Locked On Podcast, and we're so happy to have them. And the NFL playoffs are here. We're excited about the new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel, of course. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers you got to join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. 
FanDuel has your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Owen, tell me about a bet you like this upcoming weekend. Bones. People are going to think I'm insane, but it's Kyle Juszczyk. Anytime touchdown at plus 1,400. This is crazy in the playoffs. The usage is so effective, right? You're worried about McCaffrey. You're worried about Debo. You're worried about Kittle. You're worried about the entire Niners offense. Who do you forget about? The fullback. Kyle Juice. Throw Sprinkle. Sprinkle a little bit on the first touchdown to plus 6,000. That is senile. Take advantage. Give a little sprinkle, and then you can give me a high five next time you see me. I won't forget the Super Bowl and the Niners against the Chiefs when you had first-time touchdown Kyle Juszczyk. I'll, I've never seen you react to anything like you reacted to that win. He was just short on the first touchdown, but then they, they got him back. And I, I told you, I sprinkle any or I sprinkle first, and then you've got to pounce on the anytime touchdown. And that was exactly what happened. Right? A very similar situation. I, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm so excited right now. Thank you, FanDuel. <laughs> it's all on an app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, we're talking Syracuse basketball here on LockedOn Syracuse. Uh, Let's do a little bit of talk about the Orange in this Georgia Tech game a little bit more. Uh, because we didn't talk about it uh, on yesterday's podcast because we wanted to release that interview with Marcus Adams, which I hope you all enjoyed. But uh, let's give a little bit of a reaction uh, to it. For me, like I already uh, led on to a little bit, it was all Joe Girard all the time. They started slow out of the gates like they tend to do. uh, And then, I mean, they just kicked it into high gear in the second half. And Joe was just amazing I mean the guy he was unlike we've seen him all season long it seemed it was that kind of Joe Girard where everything he puts up has a good chance of going in uh and and I don't usually feel that way about him uh so if you've been watching this podcast for a long time you know that I like Joe when he's playing well uh and when he's not he should probably sit him but in this game play him play him play him Uh, This is exactly what the team needed. 40 minutes of Joe Girard playing incredibly well. Uh, And Judah was good in this game, too. Six assists from him, 13 points. Jesse, like we already mentioned, 14 and seven. Not bad, but, you know, we want to see more. Malik Brown was unreal. 18 points off the bench, 32 minutes off the bench, including four rebounds and four steals. That guy, dude, I'm telling you, and I've been telling you, that guy is amazing. Uh, And, We've talked about the starting lineup a little bit before, but it really doesn't matter who starts because Benny's going to start pretty much every game. But it doesn't matter because in a game like this, he only played eight minutes and Malik played the other 32. Adds up to 40, of course. Uh, So that's the kind of thing you're going to get with this team. Bayheim's going to play whoever's going to win. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. doesn't matter who starts. It matters who plays. Uh, So Malik will continue to play, and that's going to make – uh, Armando Baycott's day at the office a lot more difficult when he doesn't only have to deal with Jesse Edwards, but Malik Brown too. Yeah, I mean, that that game, I think there was a lot to be said, as you mentioned, about Joe and about Malik Brown, right? We, we keep saying it, and you said it way longer than I have. 
this guy is the real deal. This guy is a big time contributor and it's a guy that deserves minutes. And he continues to come out and do that and prove it every time he hits the court. It really is fun to just see how effective he has been and able to just be dominant when he comes in and, and get his fill and do his thing and find success. And he is, you know, a big part in Syracuse grabbing some ACC wins. And, and what he's done so far this season is nothing short of tremendous, especially given, you know, maybe outside of the immediate Matthew Bonaparte, outside of those ideas, right, there weren't a ton of expectations. And he came in early on and he came in in early season games. And you're like, oh, all right, he's a contributor. He can get some rebounds. He can score a little bit. Who knows what he might end up being. And then he goes away for a few games and Bayheim didn't really play him a ton. And then there was another spurt where he started to pop him back in. And then it happened one more time. And now this time Malik Brown's here to stay. And he is that guy right now for Syracuse and being able to, to find ways to keep them alive and find ways for them to stay competitive. Uh, I, I don't think you could ask for much more out of him at this point. Uh, a couple other things from that game, uh, as you sort of take a look, it, it's interesting to see the forward situation outside of Malik, right? Chris Bell, 18 minutes, two points. Benny Williams, eight minutes, one point. Justin Taylor, five minutes, zero points. And then I almost forgot about him. All right, he's been away. He's been hiding. He has been on that bench. Kadir Copeland, with with a pretty strong almost 20 minutes in this game, he didn't end up scoring all too much. He was one for four from the field, but six rebounds. Uh, I don't think, given the way, you know, we, we've seen Taylor lay a goose egg. We've seen Bell lay a goose egg. We've seen Benny lay a goose egg. I'm not opposed to, to giving Copeland some run and seeing what he can do. He can move. He, he's confident. Uh, and I think he can bring a little bit of a spark if you need to try him out. So interesting, sort of the, oh, look what we still have and, and is hidden and could be something of use. And that's Kadir Copeland. So interested to see, you know, if this sparks a little bit of a, of a quicker look to him off the bench. Is he going to come in and, and throw or be thrown out a little bit earlier? Or is it still going to be one of those more special situations where, you know, the rest of the forwards are struggling? Let's give that a try. I don't know, but it's interesting to be able to have sort of, eh, you know, he's still a guard, I think, in my mind, right? Uh, but I, I do like what he brings to the table and his ability to to sort of present that combo-ish look that, that Bell also can bring when he's there and that Taylor can also bring when he's there. Yeah. Cordier, I don't understand. I actually would really like for Bayheim. Uh, to explain when Quadir is best used, because obviously he uses him when the team needs him in his eyes, uh, because he doesn't play every game. But when he plays, he plays well, and everyone's like, why doesn't this guy play? Uh, but I'm sure, you know, Jim has his reasons. Um, but, I mean, Quadir, he really does surprise you sometimes, because that guy is just a really good team player, um, like Saimir in a way, in that he just fits the mold of the, of the role player, the guy that you need on the floor to be a cog in the machine. Um, so Quadir, I hope we see more out of you. Um, okay. Let's get to some predictions. Uh, this line from FanDuel is three and a half Syracuse home dogs to UNC. Tar Heels are favored. I don't think anybody, uh, is surprised by that. Ken Palm has, this as a three point win for UNC. 
Um, but, you know, I'm pretty sure Georgia Tech was favored. So who cares? Uh, I mean, this one's a lot harder to take in in terms of Syracuse's side just because, you know, UNC has the pedigree. They have the expectations. They have the, the, the talent. They have the seniority. It's a lot of experience on that team. Um, they're 28th in the country in terms of experience. So they've seen it all. A lot of those guys were in the national championship game last year. Uh, but if Syracuse were to win this game, it would be monumental uh, for their tournament chances and everything they've been doing in the last 10 or so games. Owen, I'm handing this to you. What do you got? A win in this game would be monumental. That is correct. Syracuse loses by double figures. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am. I, I I don't see a way that Syracuse comes out and does this. I really don't. Uh, I know I said there's this manner where, you know, Joe goes off from three and all that. I don't see it. It, it doesn't strike me as something that is feasible or realistic or that I can – consciously say to you on this podcast and not feel like a liar. I, I, I don't I see Syracuse doing it. And it it's, feels it's like a sizing. loss. Yeah, right. And I, I honestly, I think they can hang around for a little bit. Yeah. I do think they can. I just, I don't think that they can play this UNC team competitively for 40 minutes. It would just I, take... I think there's going to be a point where they run away with it. It would take such a huge performance from someone and likely Joe to go out there. And I don't know if Joe does it two games in a row, you know, like, I just don't know if I see that him going out there and putting up another 30 or something like that. Like if he does that and he does it efficiently, at least half efficiently, maybe, but I just don't really see it. It, it would be really, really tough. And Jesse would have to show up. Malik will show up. I can almost guarantee you that because that guy's a dog. But they also – they'd have to continue to play really, really great defense because they have been playing really solid defense. Maybe not all the score lines show that, uh, having given up 70-plus points in three of their last five games, but or three of the last four games. But still, I mean, a lot of those rotations, when you watch them in crunch time especially, look pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I got to say this I mean, is a I... loss, but I think – I think they'll hang around for a little while. Yeah, I think they can hang around. I'm just sort of looking at, you know, what Joe has done after monster games this season. And it, there's been some parody, right? You think back, obviously, to the Richmond game where he went off in that first half and put up 31 on the game, and then he scores four the next night against St. John's. Um, he scored 28 against Louisville, 19 against Virginia. That's not a terrible drop-off. 24 against Virginia Tech. Played a solid game, 10 for 20 from the field, 3 for 7 from the floor, and then 7 points, 1 for 5 from 3 against Notre Dame to follow. So he's, he's had some, you know, some moments where he comes out the next night and plays solid, uh, and then some days where you know he's played an outstanding game and put up one of his season highs and career highs, right? I think that Richmond game was a career high, yep. and then just comes out there flat that next day. So I will say, you know, we're looking at, at recency bias, 20-plus in three of the last four, 20-plus in five of the last seven. So it's been pretty consistent. I mean, 19 against Virginia is one of the ones where he hasn't gotten 20-plus. 
So 19 or more in six of his last seven, with the anomaly being Notre Dame, where he put up seven. Uh, I don't. I mean, that's as consistent as I think he's been in the career here in terms of being able to put up consistent, decent scoring nights. So he, he's hit that sort of stride, it seems like. Uh, I hope he does it. I hope he comes out in balls and, and is hitting some threes and hitting some big shots. Uh, I will give him the nod. I think I forget who was talking about it on Twitter a little bit, but I, I really have been seeing it. I think a lot of people are starting to take notice. Gerard does seem like he is becoming a little bit more effective with the body and using his relative size a lot better uh, than he has in the past. So that's something to keep an eye out for too. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, what Syracuse can do in this game. Leaky black is clamps defensively. I don't know who he is going to give nightmares to, but he'll give nightmares to someone on the court uh, for Syracuse. Is it Joe? I don't think so in terms of who he would need to guard with, his size, but it also really much, it very much could be Joe. Uh, and if you put Leaky Black on Joe Girard, <laughs> see ya. Uh, that could be a disaster. Uh, so we'll see what happens in this one. I, I don't have high expectations for Syracuse. I think they can compete early on, but it just seems like, right? Doesn't it seem like a game where Jesse picks up a third early in the second half, uh, and then he picks up a fourth with like eight minutes to go? And then in that like eight minute to three minute stretch, UNC gets up double figures. Like it seems like one of those games where where maybe they can compete early and then the size, the skill, the experience of UNC puts Syracuse into a tough spot and they end up running away down the stretch. I also just want to say this about Joe and commend him really, because his season could have gone, you know, one of two ways. It could have been this where he did bounce back after that really tough stretch and he found his confidence and he kept shooting and he kept scoring and, and got back to a place where he can lead this team. Or he just as easily could have fallen into a pit and just lost all confidence and kept missing and kept being terrible and forced Jim not to play him. Uh, so I do want to commend him and say that he has gotten there despite all the criticism. You said it. And I, I think it, it is a moment. Sometimes you circle a moment to come back on it and it ends up being irrelevant. But this really is a moment where you circled and I think it is a turning point. You go back to the pit game where Syracuse crawls out of the 21 point deficit. Who hit that gutsy shot is Joe Girard, a gutsy three down the stretch. And you came on immediately when you were texting me and you were like, I can't believe he shot that because of the repercussions if he missed. It was a deep yeah. three. It was ill-advised. It was not a shot I think anybody wanted to be taken. And he took it, and he made it. Okay. And, yes, Syracuse loses that game. But the stretch that I just described, right, the stretch where he has scored 19-plus in six of his last seven started with that shot. And I think you can say – that the negative repercussions of that shot not going in make for a very different stretch out of Joe Girard in the ensuing games. I uh, and I, I, I give you that credit because that that is one of those points where, right, sometimes you circle play, you, it's just abandoned, never to be returned. You circled that immediately. I remember you texting me. And look at it now. Like that is aged like fine wine. Bones the prediction guy uh, predicted an – Unbelievable game from Gerard against Georgia Tech. Predicted Malik Brown being that guy for this team, much to the dismay of some fans early on. And now, 
bones circling, gutsy three from Joe Girard down the stretch against Pitt really as the turning point in his season uh, in a really consistent and solid stretch he's had since then. They don't call me Bones Stradamus for nothing. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> they don't call me Bones Stradamus for nothing. All right. Uh, we got to wrap up the show. We thank you for making it your first listen every day as well as today, of course. For your second, check out the brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. It hosts Isaac and Andy bring you everything you need to know off of the court and on the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the season. Lockdown College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He is Owen Valentine, and we'll see you tomorrow.